Hi, this is Nick Brown, Global Commissioning Editor for ADC. I'm really delighted to welcome Julie Garren, Research Projects Manager at Emory University, who co-wrote a recent Global Health Commission paper about polio. We called it the polio endgame, rationale behind the change in immunisation. It's a subject which I've wanted to publish on for some time now. Julie, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, many readers will already have um, digested the paper, but, but I'd, I'd like to run through a few specific aspects of the paper, if that's all right. The first one is I wonder whether you could summarise the global polio epidemiology over the last 20 years and explain why there are still pockets of wild virus transmission. At this point, polio has been over 99% eradicated. So when the effort began in 1988, there were an estimated 350,000 cases of wild polio virus in 125 countries. Today, as of 2016, there were only 37 cases reported in three countries. Um, so that's a, it's a huge decrease. There's been a lot of progress made. Of the three types of polio, types 1, 2, and 3, Type 2 has been certified eradicated. So the last naturally occurring case occurred in 1999 in northern India, and um, no cases have been reported since. Um, similarly, type 3 has not been seen since 2012, so it is likely eradicated as well. And type 1 is the only um, wild-type strain in circulation now. So um, that virus has been seen in Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Nigeria. Those are the only three endemic countries that currently exist. So they are the ones that have not been able to interrupt transmission completely. Um, and as you can imagine, there are a lot of challenges in those countries, the biggest being insecurity and inaccessibility. So um, really, a lot of these children just aren't able to be reached by the vaccinators. So the virus continues to circulate in those areas. Uh, in some places, there's been violence against health workers. There's also been vaccine refusal in some places in Nigeria, um, which has caused some, some pretty big setbacks there. Um, that being said, there's been a lot of innovative strategies used in those areas. Um, Nigeria used some GPS tracking to monitor where the vaccinators were going, and they were able to identify some, some pockets of um, villages that were being missed repeatedly. So uh, they've made a lot of progress in that regard. Similarly, um, the vaccinating teams and the, the public health programs have been working with the military to try to access these areas, uh, as well as the community leaders and religious leaders to try to reach those, those missed children. That's really interesting. So before too long, one would hope that those small pockets will also be eradicated. So which, um, which vaccines have been used in, up until now? What are they being superseded by? Right. So uh, there's two vaccines against polio. There's the oral polio vaccine, or OPV, and the inactivated polio vaccine, or IPV. Um, so OPV has really been much to thank for the progress made so far, especially in developing countries. Um, there's various formulations of this vaccine. There's the trivalent, or TOPV, which protects against all three types of wild polio virus. There's bivalent, which protects against two types, and monovalent, which protects against one of the three. Um, so the advantages of this vaccine are it's very inexpensive. It's administered by drops, so anyone can give the vaccine. It doesn't have to be a trained health worker, a nurse. It can be a volunteer, and they're able to travel on foot and go to very hard-to-reach places to ensure that children are vaccinated. The other advantage is that it can protect populations in addition to the individuals vaccinated. So it's able to induce intestinal immunity and interrupt transmission, which has made it very successful 
successful in these developing countries, which have a lot of challenges with sanitation. A few disadvantages with OPV, the live virus, when it replicates in the intestine of the recipient, can mutate to a form that's similar to the wild type. So in very rare cases, it can cause paralysis. Um, and this happens in one of two ways. There's vaccine-associated paralytic polio, VAP, um, and that's when the vaccine virus mutates to acquire the neurovirulent characteristics of the wild virus. So it can cause paralysis in the recipients or the close contacts. The other type is called circulating vaccine-derived poliovirus, or CVDPV, and this is when the vaccine virus acquires both the neurovirulent and transmissibility characteristics of the wild virus, so it can cause outbreaks. So this is the main concern with OPV. It's, it's been you know, such a great vaccine up until now, but now that the wild virus cases are getting to such a, a low level, attention has really been focused to VAP and CVDPVs. IPV, on the other hand, has been used mostly in industrialized countries. It protects against all three types of the virus, and it does not have any, it does not cause VAP or CVDPVs and provides um, good protection to the individuals who are vaccinated. It's not as good as OPV in um, preventing transmission in communities. And the other disadvantage is that it's an injection, so it requires trained health workers and is not as easy to administer in mass campaigns that's, that have been part of the eradication effort with OPV. That's very interesting. So uh, on, on the basis of uh, those points, how have we reached the point of OPV withdrawal? So as I mentioned, you know, we have uh, this issue with VAP and CVDPVs, and, and as the wild virus cases continue to decrease, um, this is becoming more of a concern. So um, complete eradication of polio really means we're getting rid of both the wild type and those vaccine-related polioviruses. So OPV can't be used forever, or else we'll continue having these vaccine-related cases. And it's been found that the type 2 component of the trivalent OPV causes a substantial amount of this VAP and CVDPVs. It causes almost 90% of CVDPV in recent years and almost a third of VAP cases. Also, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the type 2 wild poliovirus has been eradicated. So at this point, the risk of continuing to use the type 2 component of TOPV outweighs the benefit. So the way this was sort of envisioned in the end game plan, which it is called, is uh, a transition from the trivalent vaccine to the bivalent. So it's been referred to as the switch. So all countries um, were advised in April of 2016 to discontinue using the TOPV and begin using BOPV. And after all polio has been eradicated, then OPV will be withdrawn completely and there will be a, a reliance on IPV exclusively. That certainly makes sense. Um, are there any potential immunological risks with the IPV? Well, the, most of the risks come from the switch itself. There's the risk of a CVDPV emergence if a vaccine virus from an area that's continuing to use the TOPV gets into an area that has already stopped using it. So immunity will be lower in that area and there's a higher likelihood that the virus mutates and CVDPV can emerge. So this has been the main risk with a switch and it's most likely in the first six to 12 months after the switch takes place. So the ways that, that this was planned to sort of reduce those risks as much as possible was to synchronize the switch. The switch was planned in two weeks in April of 2016 globally. So all OPV using countries were to you know, complete this undertaking that would minimize the amount of time that 
a virus could get from one area to another. It was also done in April because this is the low season of poliovirus transmission that also helped to reduce the risk. IPV is also being introduced during this time, and this provides some level of immunity to type 2, and if there are any outbreaks, it will help with a response. Um, so that's, that's another thing that's currently being done. Um, there's also a stockpile of monovalent OPV type 2, so if there are any outbreaks that come about, um, that response is, is ready to go. And the phases of the switch, describe the time period, what were the phases which took place? Sure. Um, so as you can imagine, this is a, a pretty big undertaking to think of all these countries doing this in a two-week time. So over a year of planning took place at the global level, the regional level, the country level to kind of figure out what was needed, how to do this, ensure that everyone's aware of the steps involved. So at the global level, this was kind of broken down into four phases um, for the guidance for countries. So those phases are plan, prepare, implement, and validate. The first step for each country was to get together a coordination body that could manage the switch. This involved taking inventories of the vaccine, um, forecasting what they may need, um, since they were to stop using TOPV at one time, it was important to plan so that you're limiting any excess of vaccine that you're going to have to destroy after the switch, and you also avoid any stockouts that may happen before the switch. Um, at the same time, BOPV had to be ready to go so that children weren't missed during that time, so that there, there wasn't any um, time where kids were not receiving any vaccine at all. Um, so that was the first step. The second step, prepare, had to deal a lot with uh, the logistics. So vaccine had to be transported all over the country from the global level down to the health facilities where the vaccinations were being given. There needed to be a plan for how to dispose of the excess vaccine. Um, so there were several ways that countries could do this. They could uh, incinerate the vaccine. They could boil it, um, encapsulate in the, vac the vials in cement so that no one could get to it. Uh, the main goal was to ensure that it was disposed and could not become a risk in the future. This also involved training health workers. So, you know, all of your vaccinators down at the health facility and community level needed to really understand the sort of complex um, background to this activity um, in order to, to participate and, and know when change the vaccines and, and what information needed to be given where. So communication was a big part of this as well. Um, and then the most important stage was the implement stage. So there was a two-week window given in which the countries would stop using TOPV, remove it from the cold chain, set it aside for disposal, and begin using BOPV. So, so during this two-week time, each country selected one day to be their switch day. Uh, and after the switch, the final phase was validation. So in order to ensure that all TOPV was removed throughout the country, Countries mobilized independent monitors to visit all the distribution stores in the country and also a sample of the health facilities to ensure that vaccine had been removed, it had been set aside, um, that there wasn't a risk of that vaccine being given to children at a later time. That sounds like an incredible logistical exercise. Um, we're, we're almost a year on now. Um, how have things gone? I mean, it went remarkably well. 155 countries successfully completed the switch in April of 2016. Um, so that's all OPV using countries. It was deemed overall successful. 
a lot of planning and preparation took place in advance of that actual switch day, as you can imagine. And, and even today, ongoing monitoring is taking place in those facilities and distribution sites to make sure that any TOPV that was missed, which there was some, was gathered and collected and destroyed properly. It was really a logistical exercise in a lot of ways and, and took a lot of coordination of, of people at all levels to carry this off. And the, the biggest thing, I think, was that this was in a lot of ways, a routine activity for countries. They're very um, skilled in managing these immunization programs and they have ways to transport vaccines throughout their country and to monitor what vaccines are needed and communicate and train their health workers and um, dispose of medical waste. And basically all of these components coming together were something that uh, was done in the country already. So it was really a matter of communicating the importance of this, um, when it would be done and how it would be done. So overall, I mean, this, this was a huge milestone in the overall polio eradication effort. Type 2 being eradicated and the switch from TOPV to BOPV has, has been a big step. So um, overall, it was a huge success and um, countries are continuing to work hard to eradicate the final cases of wild poliovirus in, in the last remaining areas and, and continue to plan for how these polio resources can be used to benefit other, other activities quite amazing um what's what's happened and um everyone involved should take huge credit julie that's been really interesting i I enjoyed talking to you so much and um i've read the paper several times now and i keep finding little nuggets which i hadn't seen before thank you very much for joining us for anyone interested in reading more about this or hearing the podcast please do look at adc.bmj.com